Morning, everyone. I am Richard Evans, your assistant pastor of Compassionate Care. And if you think that's a mouthful, you ought to see my old titles. Right, we're going to get the pulpit up here. We're going to turn to Malachi as we continue our series whole in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at the last book of the Old Testament together this morning. Going to be reading verses uh, 7 through 12 of chapter 3. Uh, as we look at Malachi together. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how we robbed you? In our tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a light of delight, says the Lord of hosts. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated and let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. It encourages, inspires, and challenges us. But most of all, it shows who you are, what you have done, you are doing, and you have promised to do. I pray that we would see you in our message this morning, that we would hear you as we sing and listen to you as we pray. And all these things may be to your glory, your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I say, here we are in the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. And yes, you thought you'd escape the money sermon. And you have, really, because the truth of the matter is, even though this is kind of the central theme or the central verses in Malachi, there's a lot more in there. I do encourage you to read just those few pages of Malachi uh, as you go home today and see there is far more in it uh, than just this particular passage. But it's hard to avoid this passage when you look Malachi, because it talks far more about the people's attitude, their situation, and God's love for them than it really does about giving. Although, let's not avoid the elephant in the room, it does talk about that as well. Well, there was once a mother who wanted to teach her daughter a lesson, a moral lesson. So she gave her a dollar and a quarter and took her to church and said, You can put whichever one of these you want in the offering and you can keep the other. After they left church, the mother asked uh, the daughter to say, so which did you give to the Lord? And the daughter said, well, I really wanted to give a dollar, but then when the preacher says that God loves a cheerful giver, I gave the quarter. (laughs) Well, of course, we laugh, and we laugh because it's funny. We laugh because we identify with that. We've gone through those emotions and probably have done something Similar, if we're honest with ourselves. We've looked to our own needs, our own comfort, before we've looked to giving to the Lord and his work. Well, today the message is entitled, Return, Don't 
rob. And it refers not only to our need to return to God from the abundance of that which he supplies to us in the realms of finance, but also in our need to not rob that which is rightfully his for the work of the kingdom. To return to him physically, emotionally, and spiritually in work and worship, and yes, also in our financial giving. Making sure we're not withholding ourselves from him in any way, in our relationship with him, our service for him, or indeed uh, from the blessings that he has in store for us. For by not doing any of these things, by withholding, we are clearly robbing God. I heard Anne Graham Lutz, uh, Billy Graham's daughter, once put it this way, that if you read the newspaper more than you read the Bible, or, we, or spend more time on the internet than you do in prayer, you are robbing God. And that stuck with me because clearly I have done those things. Anybody willing to admit they've done those things? Yeah, absolutely. It really makes us evaluate our relationship with God and our investment in it. Today's reading deals with the matter of tithes and offerings set firmly by Malachi in the context of repentance, of returning to God. Not only returning, as I say, the blessings that he has given to us, but returning ourselves in repentance. In Malachi, as you, as you hopefully will read through it in just a few minutes uh, today or tomorrow maybe, um, you'll see that Malachi has already talked about the people's unfaithfulness in their marriages, in their relationships. Also, their fragrant disregard for God in their bringing of sick and diseased animals for sacrifice rather than the finest and the best. Not wanting to feel the sacrifice of giving only giving what they wouldn't miss anyway. Now this is echoed in their lack of bringing the tithes and offerings. Now whether you look at a tithe as a literal 10% or not, um, it's a good base to start with, right? The offerings being over and above that basic tithe, just to explain tithes and offerings. So for example, something that struck me this morning as we were talking about the gifts, if you're giving one of those gifts, that's not part of your tithe. That's an offering over and above, right? That, just to give context uh, and very uh, meaningful context this morning. Now, in those days, these tithes and offerings would be to maintain the temple, feed the priests and the Levites, and the poor of the community. And two things come through. Clearly, if this was not happening, then people were going to be suffering, as well as the inability for the temple to function fully. When tithes went unpaid, the widow, the fatherless, the alien were amongst those who suffered, and clearly God has a heart for them especially, now, let's look back at verse 5. I know it's before our reading, but verse 5, if you look back there, it should pop up on the screen in a moment for you. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be swift witness. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers 
in his wages, the widow and the fatherless against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. This is the case today that our failure to bring in the tithes and offering not only affects us, but the work of the church, the ministries that we support. Meaning, of course, that as modern-day stewards, we must continue to use the resources and the purposes that God directs us to use them for. And to not do so would be wasteful and negligent. That's why our budget is published and audited Anyone can see the reports, and yes, pastors' salaries are voted upon. It's clear, however, that the reason is not to bring our tithes and offerings because God needs the money. Anybody think God is lacking in anything? No. He supplies, and he supplies all the time. So it's more about our heart condition. It's more about our attitude and our priorities being in the right place. Now, let's dispel a myth right now that I've heard. People will say, well, we're not under law, we're under grace, therefore we don't need to give. I believe clearly that we do. And we're told time and time again that this is true. I uh, share with you a quote that I read on this that really was helpful to me and maybe will be helpful to you. If it was appropriate under the law to give a tithe, Christians will want to give no less than a tithe, insofar as we have received and known so much more. Out of gratitude, we return to God, not that we can pay for anything. He has given us, least of all, our salvation, paid for once and only by Christ's sacrifice upon the cross. But we bring our gifts, don't we? We bring them as part of our worship of him. That's why we encourage bringing tithes and offerings as part of worship. If you're here physically, we encourage you to bring them and place them in the box. Uh, maybe you can pull out the app and physically do it just after worship, not right now. Uh, or if you're at home, again, do this as part of worship and realize that it is giving to God. It's not giving to this church or any particular church, although that's how we do it. It is literally giving to God, returning to him. The danger, of course, is that we can become really legalistic about it. If we uh, work out what percentage we want to give, whether that's 10%, 20%, 30%, whatever it might be, sometimes we can think, oh, I give that, and then I don't have to worry. I can do whatever I want with the rest. The reality is we still have a responsibility with the rest, right? There has to be a balanced reach where we realize that we return to God because everything, including ourselves, belongs to him. Let's look at verse 7. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? First thing we learn is simply that this is not a new problem. It's been around since the dawn of time and it will continue until Jesus returns. In fact, at the very beginning, Adam and Eve only had one degree to keep, right? Don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, and look what happened there. Any of you? 
Any of you out there been told, you can do anything you want except that? What's the first thing you want to do? That. <laughs> it was not long after, of course, that Cain's attitude in the offering he brought to God was displeasing to God. And then through Cain's jealousy of Abel's acceptable attitude and offering that murder entered the world. So the fact that from the beginning, despite our unfaithfulness, God has remained faithful, does not excuse us from all responsibility. God's offer is on the table. Return to him. Repent. That's what this means. Literally, to return to God. Turn away from sin and back to God. That was the message of the prophets. And as we end the Old Testament, there's a 400-year gap until the New Testament. And what's the first message in the New Testament with John the Baptist? Repent and be baptized. And Israel's reaction here in Malachi of asking how, how to return. And then later they say, how are we robbing God? Indicates they do not, need, they do not realize their need for forgiveness. They have been blinded themselves to their lack of real relationship with God. How many of us can identify with times in our lives when we have been like this as well? Verses 8 and 9. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In our tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. The people have probably been going through the motions. They've been bringing something. But they've done it a little bit like Cain and Abel, you know. They brought, one brought with the right attitude, one brought with the wrong attitude, the wrong motivations. And people along the way have recognized that this is true. Think of David in Psalm 51 and verses 16 and 17. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. So don't hear what I'm not saying. If you've got nothing, a percentage of nothing is nothing. Just bring yourselves. But we have to come with the right attitude. God is not pointing here to a sin that is necessarily more dangerous, important, or deadly than any other, but it is one that certainly hits home very clearly, and it does then, and I still believe does now. You may be surprised how prepared people are to talk about any issue in their lives except their finances. A number of times in counseling situations, it is obvious pretty quick that finances are a difficulty and uh, how they're spending and the attitude around it. And yet they'll talk about everything else under the sun before they get to the will willingly to that issue. So simply I will ask, are you giving anything to God? Whether it be time, talent, treasure. I'm not interested in knowing amounts. I never will be. But again, it's about asking about priorities. Is giving to God first on the list 
Or is it something you do when you've paid every other bill, when you spend time doing everything else, and then, oh, maybe I can spare you an hour on a Sunday and, you know, 20 bucks occasionally. Again, we need to make sure that what we give and how we give of our time, talent, and treasure is first priority. There's a, um, a, a well-known story. You've probably heard a version of it. Um, the young man comes to the pastor and is prayed for to bless his career. And at the time, he was making $40 a week, and he cheerfully gave, uh, gave $4 a week. A few years later, his income had increased to $500 a week, and he called the pastor to see if he could have a chat. He wanted to be released from his tithing promise, as now it was too costly. The pastor replied, I don't see how you can be released from your promise, but we can certainly ask God to reduce your income back to $40 a week. <laughs> now, as far as I'm aware, uh, this is the only time in Scripture where God specifically says, test me. Test me in this, uh, verses 10 and 11. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the fields shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. By bringing the whole of our tithe, our gifts to God and his work, we open ourselves up to receive from him. Again, do not hear what I'm not saying. We're not paying for anything. He is going to bless us regardless, but he clearly says we have a responsibility with that which he has blessed us with, and he will continue to bless us and protect us. Christ is quoted by Paul in Acts 20.35, and says something very profound about giving. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. However, we cannot deny that there is a promise here of God to supply and to supply abundantly if we open ourselves up to him. And I've experienced too many of these situations and circumstances in people's lives to deny that this is true. Our obedience leads to a deepening of our relationship with God and surely that is the very aim of our lives and the aim of the prophets was to call people back into a right relationship with God a relationship where they would be blessed they would go through hardship very clearly they would go through times of exile they would feel like God had deserted them but they would know truthfully that he was with them through all of those circumstances and situations and that is the aim of our lives and not the accumulation of earthly wealth. And there are ministries out there that proclaim that. There are ministries out there that says it's all about you being wealthy and prosperous. And I have a real problem with that. Because it's not about financial prosperity. It is about blessings 
from God. I told you recently about one of my hospice patients, who, bless her, is still with us, who even though she is literally dying, she counts her blessings every single day. Jesus himself spoke many times of the importance of the attitude of our giving, of our giving of money to God, what we do with our resources. In Luke 16, verses 10 and 11, we read, Whosoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Jesus is stating that our stewardship is a test of how we will do with more important responsibilities. Then there is the poor widow who gives everything that she has. The rich young ruler told to sell all that he had and give it away and then follow Christ. Notice he's not told to give away 10%. The steward who was forgiven a large debt only to refuse to forgive a fellow servant a small debt. The sheep who share their food, clothing, homes, and time with Jesus, and the goats who do not. The rich fool who built bigger barns to hold all his wealth only to die that very night. The list goes on and on. No wonder we often say things in this life like, put your money where your mouth is. What we do with our money is often an indication of where our hearts truly are. So in what areas of your life, and my life, do there need to be a returning to God? Not only with finances, but with time and talents and devotion. Do we spend anything remotely close to 10% of our time with God? And yet for many of us, we claim him to be more important than anyone or anything in our lives. I can only imagine if we only spent 10% or less of our time with our spouses or our children or our parents. What would that look like? Well, our passage closes with another promise of God in verse 12. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. That returning to God, being obedient to him once more, would have, and I believe still does, have an effect not only on those involved, but on those around about. Surely this is how we are salt and we are light. Witnesses to the nation, sharing our relationship with God so that others may come to know him as well. Well, I've got a poem that I'm going to end with this morning and wrap up here that I think really kind of helps us uh, and challenges us on this theme. Leftovers are such humble things. We would not serve to a guest. And yet we serve them to our Lord who deserves the very best. We give to him leftover time, stray minutes here and there, leftover cash we give to him, such few coins as we can spare. We give our youth unto the world to hatred, lust, and strife. Then in declining years, we give to him the remnant of our life. I want to encourage all of us, myself included, to return to God today. He welcomes us with outstretched arms and to not rob him of anything. Not that he needs us, but he wants us. 
The whole of the Old Testament, the whole of the New Testament tells us that so clearly on every single page. From the day of the fall, God has planned for us to return. And in Christ, we can. To his name be the glory, the honor, and the praise now and forever. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you do indeed have a plan for us to return to you. And there is salvation is once and for all, and yet we turn from you so often. Help us to turn back today in our attitudes, in our time, and yes, even with our treasure, that we would put you first and foremost, and we would thank you for the blessings that you are already pouring into our lives. Help us to be a community of faith, a people that are called by you, And may we see a movement of your spirit in this place and beyond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.